Welcome to the Together We're Better podcast. This will be the best 30 minutes of your day. I'm your host, Brandon Morris, the manager of community engagement with Building Our Future here in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Welcome. To all of our listeners, this podcast is centered around the question, what's possible when you bring people together around a shared result? This month's episode is titled, Kenosha County Health Equity Task Force. In this episode, we have the pleasure of hearing from Dr. Jim Freiheit, Health Officer and Director of Kenosha County Public Health, Tamara Coleman, Executive Director of the Shalom Center, Kirsten Gunderson, Kenosha County Public Health Strategist for Health Equity. You'll want to listen to this 30 minutes around the efforts to make in our Kenosha community a safer and healthier place to live through the pandemic. Let's dive in. And just like that, we're back with another episode here on our podcast, Together We're Better. We have some special guests on the show today, and I would like the, our guests to check in today. Uh, first, let's start out with Tamara. Tamara, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful, Brandon. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. All right. Let's let our listeners know who you are. Oh, okay. Excellent. Um, I'm Tamara Coleman. I'm the Executive Director of the Shalom Center. I'm here in Kenosha, and um, I'm also a member of the um, Kenosha County Public Health Equity Task Force. Excellent. Thank you for checking in, Tamara. Uh, Kirsten, to you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm also really happy to be here, Brandon. Um, and I've been working with the county for about a year as a public health strategist for health equity. Excellent. Thanks for checking in. And Dr. Jen, to you, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Brandon, and uh, super excited to be here. I'm Dr. Jen Freiheit. I'm the health officer for Kenosha County and director of Kenosha County Public Health. Excellent. Well, thanks for checking in. All right, let's dive into the good stuff. Super excited to have you guys on here just to build awareness around the Health Equity Task Force. So first question to you, Dr. Jen. How did this task force idea even come about? Yeah, great question. When I was first hired in early December of 2019, pre-COVID, coming into the health department, I realized we have a lot of equity work to do. And uh, my first task was to work on getting the resolution that inevitably got passed in early August of racism is a public health crisis and getting that recognized and called out. In the back of my mind, I always had actionable items to follow that. And one of the top ones was to form a health equity task force and very specifically a task force because I think all too often we get leaders around a table and we talk about what we should be doing um, and we all sign on and recognize that, that, you know, that there's issues out there. But I wanted you know, to work towards actionable items to actually make a change in the community. Um, so soon after that, uh, uh, by uh, late fall, December, began just having informal discussions with Tamara and saying, this is my vision, this is what I'd like to do. And uh, she grasped it and ran. Uh, so that's where, that's where we went with it. Also in January, then that's where we hired uh, Kenosha County Public Health hired uh, Kirsten as our health equity strategist. So this was really exciting for the health department because 
again, as opposed to leaders sitting around a table talking, I could actually put a person full time, 40 plus hours a week to do nothing but this work. So that is what has really propelled us forward. So I'm super excited with the team that we've assembled here. Wow, that's some great information. So here in Kenosha County, uh, January 2021, obviously there was a certain type of feel because the vaccines were new. Did that play a role at all with this whole health equity task force? And if so, what was that whole experience like? Exactly. So we had just received the vaccines at the end of December and immediately knowing past historical issues with mistrust in government, mistrust for healthcare, I wanted to be right out in front of that to figure out how can we administer vaccine uh, to our various communities in Kenosha County in the most efficient and trustworthy manner as possible. So having formed this health equity task force, that inevitably was the first goal. How do we get vaccine into our communities in the best way possible? Wow. Um, so I guess that, that leads into our, our, our next question. And, and tomorrow we're going to shoot this question over to you. Um, what are some strategies that the task force has used to create like that greater access um, in the underserved communities? Yeah, thanks, Brandon. You know, Dr. Jen is spot on because the first piece was the educational piece. And so we went in to the underserved communities to really try to first to gain some trust and to um, be sure that we could educate individuals on first how they could get the vaccine if they wanted it. And if they didn't, we could use that opportunity um, because we had them right there to educate them on the vaccine. When the vaccine first came out, I personally remember there were so many stories, so many, you know, don't do it, do it. Oh, oh, don't get this one, get that one. It it was just, there was so much information. And so it was important for Dr. Jen and her team to come in and make sure that everyone had the information that they needed to make a sound decision on to get vaccinated or not. So once we did that, it was like smooth sailing. Um, we knew right away when we formed this equity task force um, that we had to take the vaccines to the people. Um, that trust was important, but we had to go where they were. And so right away, we started strategizing on where we could go, looking at the data um, so that it could drive our decisions. And then ultimately, we ended up at barber shops and beauty shops and um, faith-based communities. Um, we were everywhere. Anywhere that would take us to do vaccines, we were there. Um, we were even at like parks and events. So Lincoln Park Live, we were at um, over the summer. Um, just anywhere we could go, we would we would partner and we would go. And then we realized that that just probably wasn't enough. Um, we were going to go even deeper. And so through collaborating with um, the Kenosha Public Health with Dr. Jen and you know, she was like, we got to go to the streets. And we were like, that's right. You know, it's kind of funny. And so we started our block by block mobile street clinic, um, going house to house, block to block to make sure that if you wanted the vaccine, we're going to give it to you right there on the street. Um, and and it, it's been a real great success. And people have been able to get vaccinated. Now they're looking for us. It's cold out and they're looking for us. But we'll be back on the street. <laughs> it's just cold right now. <laughs> So we've got some series coming up, um, Brandon. I know I'll, I'll share later about those, but 
it's just important to strategize, work with the team, listen to the people, go where they are, and then execute. That's all we really did. Thanks. Wow. Um, so I want to open this question up to uh, Dr. Jen and Kirsten as well. Um, you mentioned going to underserved communities and, and just providing that access and that education. And you also mentioned both Tamara and Dr. Jim. You mentioned how there was probably some hesitancy in, in, in these in these communities. So what was that experience like for you, Dr. Jen and Kirsten, as far as going into the different barbershops, churches and so on? What were some of the things that you guys were hearing when you uh, when we talk about hesitancy? Yeah, I'll just start. And, and Kirsten has some great stories that we'd love to share. But uh, obviously, yeah, all the misinformation tomorrow was talking about. I mean, we heard everything from growing additional appendages to, uh, you know, just some real uh, deep seated trauma from past historical experiences. And so, um, you know, people definitely when we showed up, I was blown away by how um, they were able to open up ask questions and they just wanted somebody there uh when we were you know walking porch to porch to porch just to have somebody on their porch to answer their one or two questions you could almost see that um mistrust or that facade melt away it was it it was quite beautiful but um and that's where it takes a lot of human resources but it is so important and it is so vital just to show up where people are and not just one time not just to check the box but to keep going back and keep being the trusted community voice for them. And we're going to keep doing that moving forward. But I'll turn it over to Kirsten because she has some some great examples of stories for you. So, yeah, Kirsten, yeah, to you. Thank you. Um, and something that I think I learned really profoundly through these experiences and um, Brandon, through you, you kept saying this throughout, you know, over the past year, over and over again, how important it is to keep going back to the same sites. And we saw firsthand that um, at Penn Smooth Cuts, one of the first Black-owned barbershops that we went to, uh, the first visit, they, uh, the guys there were really nice and, and they welcomed us in and they joked around with us and we answered their questions about the vaccine, but nobody got the vaccine. I think we had one customer who decided to get it and, and that was it. Um, and we decided to go back. We went back a few weeks later and we vaccinated their entire staff. Every single person said, okay, I think I'm ready to get it. Um, and, and it was really cool to stand there and have one of our nurses vaccinate each guy while he's cutting the hair of another young man and explaining to those young men in their chairs why it's important for them to also get the vaccine. Um, so it was a really powerful moment, and and I think we, um, as Kenosha County Public Health, learned a lot about how important it is to keep going back, um, because that's a part of building trust, and that's a part of, um, you know, building these practices of taking our services out into the community, um, as you know, really developing it as a part of our everyday systems. Um, that's that's the way to achieve systemic change. I love it. Uh, so you guys keep talking about systemic change, historical context that you guys are bringing up. Uh, just one last follow up question on this topic. Tamara, what are some of the things that you heard when you talk about the historical um, hesitancies or the reasons why? Uh, what historical things were brought up in the community? 
Well, you know, they brought up the fact that, you know, who are who who is the Kenosha County Public Health? People were like, you know, why do I need to get vaccinated? I don't do the flu shot either. Are they are they putting something in me? Um, they were looking at the news, right, Brandon? So they were hearing about um, the amount of individuals in our country that had, had died from COVID prior to the vaccine being available. And, and our people of color were extremely high on that list. And so they were afraid. Um, it was just a lot. People just didn't trust the system. Um, they didn't trust the nurses that were coming in. Um, the nurses didn't look like them all the time. So there was a trust factor there. I mean, it was just a lot. It was a lot of emotion. And I think that's why when Kirsten's saying that, you know, when she's at Ken Smooth Cuts and they're getting, the, the, the guys that are getting their hair cut are, are sitting in the chair watching their barber get a vaccine and they may be sitting in that chair and not wanting it either. That's powerful. And now you're, we're actually changing mindsets and we're trying to build trust. And so um, we just heard, we heard all kinds of things. We heard fear of, you know, they're trying to take us out. <laughs> yep. You know, they're, they're put, you know, or that's why I don't, and, and the flu shot came up a lot. You know, they're saying they're, they're giving us COVID, like they give us the flu. I mean, just a lot of misinformation and a lot of, um, and, and the media didn't help. I'll just be really honest with you. Um, you've had all kinds of stories and we know what happened historically. We don't even need to go down that path. Um, so people were just very fearful. It was so important just to show up consistently and really try to change the narrative, not just for COVID, but for future things that we, we need to do um, to change the narrative. So. Thank you for lifting that up. And, and I'll even add to it as well, uh, being a part of the, the, the task force myself, um, I heard someone, Dr. Jen, uh, was able to be a part of the, the, the health and wellness for men at the Regimen Barber Collective, uh, the, that barbershop. And after Dr. Jen left, there was a gentleman that said, wow, what did we do? that the actual director of the health department or the public health, Dr. Jen, what did we do that she's in our barbershop? She in here with us. This is just crazy. The, the health director has never been here among the regular people. And they were very appreciative that Dr. Jen was down to earth answering questions, uh, you know, even, you know, cracking jokes and just being that, that human being that levels the playing field, uh, you know, to, to what everyone was saying, like, oh, she's just a regular person, has this big time <laughs> position, has this big time position that's over our public health and right here in a black barbershop. And the fact you that know, they. Brandon, yeah. You know, Brandon, you, you're, you're reminding me when we did our first pop up clinic at Second Baptist Church, they were our first one of our first. Um, faith-based pop-ups and it was a young girl 16 years old 14 years old excuse me in her car and her mom was trying to get her to come in and we had just started doing um the young people i think it was and she did not want to get out of her car dr jen left the church and went outside into the parking lot and said that's okay i'll go to her mm -hmm. and i'll talk to her at the car she doesn't mm -hmm. have to come in i'll go to her and the mom just wanted her to come in and talk to somebody just to not be afraid she plays sports and she was going to be traveling with her volleyball team 
And Dr. Jen, we watched her go out to the car and, and that's the kind of thing that needs to continuously happen. That young lady came in and got vaccinated with her mother, um, you know, and she was scared to death, but she got her vaccine because Dr. Jen went out to the to the car. So I know what you're talking about, Brandon. I've yeah. experienced that as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's extremely important. I, I just wanted to touch on that just a little bit more because uh, we have many stories like this, obviously over a 12 month span where there were many different efforts, not just Dr. Jen, uh, but we got, uh, uh, we can say Mr. Jim, uh, yeah. name other nurses and, and the list can go on as I'm sure Kirsten will attest to uh, a little bit later. But so many small stories that build up, uh, you know, that trust that you guys were talking about throughout our Kenosha community. Um, so that, that leads us right into the next question, uh, Kira. I'm sorry, Brandon, if I yep. could add just one more uh, small story. Sure. <laughs> um, there, I think there, were, there was like some really good work done by um, Kenosha County Public Health staff in, in working to build trust. and. At the same time, I think the task force did a really good job of connecting us to um, community leaders who are able to help us build trust um, with folks in their own neighborhood. And Tamara talked about the block by block missions where we literally took wagons down the street and and knocked on doors and offered vaccines. Um, and, and they were really successful. We did them through the summer and the early fall. And I think one of the the parts of those missions um, that made them successful was that you guys were able to connect us with folks who lived in those communities who are willing to work um, similar to what community health workers do. They walked alongside us um, during those missions. They knocked on doors. They talked to folks in the neighborhood. Um, and they, <laughs> you guys were really good at connecting us to um, people who are very vocal <laughs> and very <Yep>. animated <laughs> and who are well known in the community, who are kind of like local celebrities almost. And they were just perfect. They yep. were they were perfect. And um, by the last, our very last mission, which was done in 40 degree weather, um, I think in in November, we were all very cold and uh, we get, I remember getting out of the van to start our mission. And there were, there's a family like walking towards us and they said, oh, we've been looking for you. We've been, we've been walking around and looking for you. And they knew the the um, community leader who, he, who we had with us, her name was Shay. And they said, yeah, Shay, we've been looking for you. We, we heard you were doing this job with the, with the health department. <laughs> and they wanted, they all wanted to get vaccinated. And that just kept happening during that mobile mission. And we ended up vaccinating 15 people on the street corner. We didn't even knock on any doors that day because people just kept coming up to us um, to see Shay and, wow. <laughs> um, and, to, and to get their vaccine. So wow. it was, I, I think that's like definitely another part of building trust is you guys have done just such a fantastic job of linking us with those, um, with those potential you know, future community health workers. Excellent. Yes, we love you, Shay. <laughs> it's a little shout out. It's a collaborative effort. You have to you have to work together with people. You really do. Um, I am so grateful for Artis Mahone, um, who's on the Equity Task Force. Tim Mahone, um, Pastor Lawrence Kirby. I'm just throwing out some names here because they've been so instrumental. And Brandon, you too. I know you're on the task force with us as well. Um, it's so important to when you get like-minded people that care in a room. 
the work goes so much easier and faster. It really does. It didn't take us any time to just plan, go, and move. You know, you don't, you don't need a bunch of meetings. You don't need a bunch of, you know, a, a whole list of checklists. Um, it, it was just, yeah, just working together collaboratively to get the job done. Excellent. So thanks for that. Uh, so this kind of takes us right into our next question with Kirsten. Um, after 12 months of working together, are there any COVID-19 vaccine inequities that you're still seeing in our Kenosha community? Unfortunately, yes. I think we were able to make some really great strides, especially working with the task force. And I, th I think Kenosha County Public Health is really clear that we wouldn't have been half as successful at reaching communities of color, especially um, had it not been for, for our partnership with the task force. But we're still unfortunately seeing um, low vaccination rates uh, in communities of color. Um, I have some numbers right here. Our black community in Kenosha County is at 36.1% um, vaccination, uh, American Indian 29.4%, and Latino is 46.7%. Uh, so there's still quite a bit of work to do. And I think just as Brandon's been telling us since the beginning, we have to keep going back. Um, just, just keep going back. I think that's our intention too, is to continue working with the task force over the next year and, and build our strategies. Um, we have, I think Tamara already mentioned this, but we have, I think, five mobile missions over the next month planned in um, black churches and Latino churches, um, black owned barbershops, Latino owned grocery stores. So uh, we'll keep pounding the pavement. So I guess I got, I got to ask this question with the focus being on the black and brown communities. Was there a reason for that back January 2020 when vaccine, the vaccines came to the community was there like a disproportionate number that was showing up when the vaccines first came out where this intentionality came about? Well, when the vaccine first came out, it was very uh, targeted to certain populations. So right from the start, it was healthcare workers, which we also know there's a low number of uh, persons of color working in healthcare. So, so inevitably, yes, we saw largely Caucasian um, then it was the 65 plus population and, and they came out, uh, in large numbers. We started to see a little bit more diversity with the 65 plus population. That age group is also very trusting of, um, you know, and they're, they were being disproportionately affected by death from COVID-19. So, so they were coming out. Um, it was later on when it started opening up to the broader population that we did start to see disproportionate numbers coming through our clinics and, um, and you all with the task force know, I mean, you were right there as we were saying, here's the data, here's the numbers, come for yourself, look, stand in line. Uh, what do we need to do? So, um, so definitely there had to be a different method as opposed to expecting people to come to us. We needed to go to them. And that, that was the clear message. Wow. Thanks for that. Um, so back to you, Kirsten. Um, what could it look like to take your work one step further upstream? Well, I think that to just through this conversation right now, I'm even more sure that this uh, partnership with the task force has been invaluable. 
um, in addressing some of the biggest inequities that, that we see in, in health. And um, I would love to see this partnership, this model for a partnership uh, replicated and, and um, used in other areas, uh, not just in public health, but we have so many other systems around us that could really benefit from a partnership with folks who are directly impacted by um, by health services, especially. Um, I think having the knowledge and the expertise of those directly impacted communities would be essential to, to making systems more equitable. Uh, I believe the framework's been set. The framework is there. Um, we just need to leverage it now. Anybody else? And I think we, we really want to work towards, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, we really want to work toward all the social determinants of health. Yes, clearly this past year, the, the Health Equity Task Force was focused on COVID, but bringing in all those other social determinants of health, you keep hearing that as a buzzword, but we need to look at transportation, housing, our education system, our incarceration system, and we're heavily committed in all of those areas. We have great partnerships. Hopefully, as the pandemic uh, slows down a little bit, we can really start moving further upstream in all of those social determinants of health and, and, and like they said, replicate the model. Um, so one follow up question, but we before we lead into the last part of this episode, has there been a case study over this last 12 months that focused specifically on this health equity task force, the system that's being built and maybe like a wider spread, uh, maybe somewhere else in Wisconsin or California or somewhere like that. And I only ask that question because with me being on the health equity task force, I've, I've talked to family members and friends about the efforts of the health equity task force. And one of my friends in Green Bay was like, dude, we need that here in Green Bay. So has anybody reached out to public health and said, I, we see the work, we hear the work that you guys are doing. How do we duplicate that in our community? Yeah, I, and I'm looking at Kirsten because she's obviously in full time looking at research and what's happening in other parts of the country. So I'll let her answer if she, if she has anything. But unfortunately, we've been so slammed uh, just trying to mitigate the effects of this pandemic that we haven't really been able to reach out and connect. Um, we're certainly looking at different grant and funding sources. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, we were just talking yesterday about how different funders aren't even bringing best practices together to talk about this. So I think moving forward in 2022, it will give us an opportunity to share, to learn from others who have walked a mile and um, and really move forward in that exact direction that you just mentioned. You know, and I just wanna add one quick thing. Um, in, in doing this work, we noticed another thing, one of our other strategies were, were videos. Brandon, I don't know if you remember, we did some a series of videos that went out into the community. They were in Racine and they hit Milwaukee. But it was really testimonials and, and um, compelling videos from community members. So when you looked at a video, it wasn't like, you know, someone that the community member didn't know. It was a, a familiar face to them giving a testimonial, really compelling them to go get vaccinated and why it was important and how COVID-19 has impacted them individually. And so I think, you know, that was another model that we had not seen um, we saw videos of just random people from across the country, 
but it's different when it's someone that's like, hey, that's Brandon Morris, or hey, that's Dr. Jen, or, you know, and so that was really, um, that was really powerful. That video went, those videos went viral. They were, they were, I had people from Milwaukee saying, hey, I just saw you on a video up here, and I'm like, what? You know, so just finding ways to get the message out um, and being very creative and innovative, and I think that that's important, and so that could be, you know, duplicated and modeled, I think is really important to, to say, because um, we see stockpile pictures and videos all the time, you know, and so it's nice to see someone that you know from the barbershop or from the grocery store um, that you can truly relate. And there's a trust factor because they trust Brandon Moore. So they trust Pastor Lawrence Kirby. And so um, that I think that's just very powerful and important to add. Yeah, I'm happy that you added that, Tamara. That's, that was a, like, shining moment, I think, in the task force. And we worked to get those videos um, into our local jail to be showed, um, to be shown on the TVs uh, inside. And then our health department would go every few weeks to offer vaccines. So we were able to, to address vaccine hesitancy through the videos that that our task force worked on, and then and then also ask um, offer the vaccine to some of the most uh, vulnerable populations that we have. Um, and when we we offer we offered that story to um, to Wisconsin DHS, and um, they were blown away by by the work by that model that that we created, like Tamara said, and they um, have shared that publicly with other health departments um, across the state. To, to make sure that we're all <laughs> we're all using that now best practice. Wow, that's amazing. We're framework, we're setting it, we're setting it up. Framework. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, with all that has been said, I have to ask this final question before we wrap it all up. Um, tomorrow we'll come to you. Uh, then Kirsten, you'll follow, and Dr. Jim will let you close it out with this question. So what's possible when you bring people together around a shared result, Tamara? Everything is possible. Anything is possible. Mm. Anything. Anything it's, is possible. It's, it's endless. The inevitable. It, it's, it's, we were showing you what happens when you bring people together. Um, mm. You see progress. Um, you see movement. You see transformation. Um, you see lives impacted. Um, you know, because of the efforts of the Equity Task Force and the Kenosha County Public Health, homeless populations have been vaccinated. You're impacting lives. You're changing lives. So I think it's endless. Anything is possible when you bring people together to um, to make an impact in the community. It doesn't take a lot of work. It does, but, but really when you're all like-minded, and you have one common denominator, it's endless. Endless. Kirsten, to you, what's possible when you bring people together around a shared result? Um, everything Tamara just said. <laughs> <laughs> I love going first. Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> I, I would just say the I think the really special thing about the task force is how diverse it is. And I think that when you bring people from diverse backgrounds and skill sets, um, together, that the quality of of the work that you that you all do together is just so much higher. If if everybody came, comes from the same uh, background and same mindset, so excellent. 
Dr. Jin, to you. What's possible when you bring people together around a shared result? Change. Deep, systemic change. And we've seen early little bricks being laid, and we're going to keep it up, and we're going to build the building, and we're going to make change in Kenosha County. Health equity change, racial equity change. We're going to continue building the wall of bricks to make that systemic change. Wow. So for our listeners, there were uh, finger snaps, hand claps, some little celebrations with fists in the air and everything with change. Wow, that's powerful. Thank you for that. Now, we'd like to end on our podcast rapid fire question. This is my favorite part of the of, of the episode. And we're going to come to each one of you guys on every question. All right. So tomorrow we're going to come to you, Kirsten, and then Dr. Jim. First question. Tomorrow, what's your favorite pizza restaurant in Kenosha? Vallejo's. Vallejo's. Kirsten, right. what's your favorite pizza restaurant here in Kenosha? Um, it's the only one I know. Tomorrow introduced me. Um, oh, Kaiser's. Oh, I did. <laughs> Kaiser's. <laughs> Dr. Jen, favorite pizza restaurant in Kenosha? Uh, you may not know, but the people who inspect all of your restaurants work for the Kenosha County Public Health Department, and so I cannot answer that. <laughs> <laughs> we inspect all pizza restaurants. So That was a good answer, Dr. Jen. Great answer. I love it. Uh, next question. Uh, Tamara, what book are you reading now? I am actually finishing up. I'm on the last maybe two or three chapters with some of us. What Racism Costs Everyone and How We Can Prosper Together by Heather McGee. Oh, that's a deep book. I read it. Yeah, I'm on, I, yeah, I got two chapters left. Woo! That's all I'll say. <laughs> Kirsten, what book are you reading right now? Um, I need some comedy in my life. So I'm reading Phoebe Robinson's um, Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like my grandmother. Right. I love it. I love it. Dr. Jen, what book are you reading right now? I um, am reading, rereading Results-Based Accountability, uh, the book by Mark Friedman, Trying Hard is Not Good Enough. And little does Kirsten know, but that's the next book she'll be reading as uh, I implement a book club within the health department so that we can work more towards results-based accountability. Wow. Look out for that. You know what? That's, I love it. <laughs> I know, I'm like, because Brandon and I participate in that book. Okay, I'm sure. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Come on in. We love reading. <laughs> All right, Tamara, to you. What's your best go-to meal to cook? Uh, baked barbecue chicken, corn on the cob, and probably, I, probably a salad. Mm. Something fast and quick. Okay, okay. Kirsten, to you. What's your what's your best go to meal to cook? Uh, one hundred percent nachos. Mm, <laughs> nachos, Doctor Jen, best go to meal to cook. Um, I don't. <laughs> I dial a number and order some pizza. Mmm. <laughs> Interesting. From your favorite pizza place, right? I, I ain't got time for that. Right. Who's got time to cook? <laughs> There's a pandemic going on. <laughs> That's how you do baked chicken. You just put it in and you keep working while it's cooking. Oh, yeah, I'm the same way. 
Tamara, what's your favorite outdoor activity? Anything with water. Hmm, anything with water. KG, what's your favorite outdoor activity? Um, I would say in the summer, eating on a patio. <laughs> okay. Water, yeah, I have water. Love it. Dr. Jen, favorite outdoor activity? Oh, I'm big outdoors. We love canoeing, kayaking, hiking as a family. Um, and a little known fact is that I am a rock hounder. You can find some good fossils down there on Simmons Island. You can find some, some nice gems. Mm. So uh, rock hounding. Cool. And the last question in our rapid fire questions on our podcast. Tamara, what are you deeply grateful for? Besides this amazing um, group of individuals that I get to work with to change the world with the equity task work that we're doing, um, I would have to say I'm deeply grateful for my family, um, my husband, who is very supportive of me and allowing me to do all the things that I do in the community that takes me away from him. So I am very grateful for my family and especially my husband. Excellent. Kirsten, to you, what are you deeply grateful for? Um, I think, so obviously the past couple of years have been really difficult for everybody. And I think being able to wake up every day and go to a job where I get to um, fight for something better uh, is, is what keeps me moving forward. Excellent. Thank you. And Dr. Jen, to you, what are you deeply grateful for? Yeah, Tamara took my words. It's family and husband. Uh, but I will say I have worked for many different municipalities and never have I worked for a community that had such collaboration and people willing to come to the table and create change. Like it's Kenosha's got it. I mean, it's it's amazing how much people are willing to come to the table and work together. It, it's blown me away these last two years. So I'm very grateful for that. Excellent. Well, that's a wrap, ladies. Thank you guys for joining our Together We're Better podcast. It was amazing. It was a pleasure. Thank you all. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. Yep. Another impactful and informative episode. A big thank you goes out to Dr. Jim Freiheit. Tamara Coleman, and Kirsten Gunderson. Here are just some of my takeaways from today's episode. One, relationships really do matter. But relationships are not built overnight. It has to be a part of what you do daily because that's what builds trust. Two, vaccinated or not, it's your choice. But please, Be sure to educate yourself from a trusted resource. Don't just rely on the internet. And the last takeaway, deep systemic change is possible. Just stay the course and apply continuous improvement methods along the way. Again, this podcast is centered around the question, what's possible when you bring people together around the shared result? Speaking of shared result, let's make sure Everyone shares this episode with a family or a friend, someone that you know would benefit from this content. And be sure to leave us a comment. We do read them all. Change is happening. You be the change. As always, be well.